Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And my name is Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. You got it. First, we got to cover some ground rules. Number one, stop completely at the stop sign. Do not roll through it. This is a matter of public safety. My dear, it's called the California stop. <laughs> it's called the California roll, like the sushi. Mm. See, even more argument for my side, which is... The people feels, need to know. It feels good, and I want to do it. Oh. Um, I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised a Presbyterian. I am now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not for children because we cuss and talk about the things that are in the Bible, which are highly inappropriate for children. Agreed. Um, very excited this week to get back to the standard Bible. I'm reading the New International Version. I have this, this study Bible with the most ridiculous footnotes, and I'm so excited to talk about them this week. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. I read the NRSV, and usually I read the Oxford NRSV, a very, it's an ecumenical Bible. So, I mean, the notes are not like trying to convince me that anything is right or wrong. Mine are trying really hard. And how thirsty are, are the notes in your Bible? <laughs> like, oh my God, I, we're going to get into it. Okay. I made like a list. Okay. Anyway, today we're talking about the book of Colossians. How, how solid are you on that pronunciation? Like, I mean, it looks like Colossians to me. Colossians? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always heard it Colossians. Uh -huh. Like, in Osh church and stuff. Oshkosh Bagoshians. <laughs> Colossians. Okay. That's not convincing, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, Colossians is probably how they say it in like Britain or something. Okay. It's probably not wrong. So you've heard that in church? Colossians? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. 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 I'm just seeing if it's church real or if it's like. Not real at all. Um, I think it's church real, yeah. Church real. Got I it. mean, we know that like like Chris Stroop told us that they pronounced Ehud Ehud. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess anything is up for grabs at yeah. that point. Okay, now shut up and I'm going to give you some fast facts. <laughs> you got it, baby. That's the most important thing about facts is that they be very rapid. Mm -hmm. Whether they're accurate or not, you can you can take or leave it. Yeah. But they state the facts and let God sort out the rest. <laughs> state them very quickly. Mm -hmm. So, Colossians. It is another epistle or open letter by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae, a town, or actually a, a major city in what is now Turkey. Uh, like most of the New Testament, it was written in Koine Greek. If this is your first Sunday School Dropouts episode and you don't know anything about Paul, He's a strange little man mm -hmm. who started off persecuting Christians as as a member of the like Jewish upper class. And then he converted to Christianity and decided he was going to be in charge of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And he went around founding churches all over the Roman Empire and writing letters to churches to scold them for disobeying him and listening to other Christians. Um, and for some reason... Those letters, uh, which are called the Pauline Epistles, make up most of the New Testament. Still not clear why. <laughs> I, I am also not clear on that. So this one is addressed to the church in Colossae, and it is trying to warn them away from what is called, in biblical scholarship, the Colossian heresy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
Doesn't that sound badass? It does. That sounds like a sci-fi novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be by Greg Bear, <laughs> you know, or uh, fucking one of those other dudes. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I hate those. Suddenly, other I've been exposed. I'm a, <laughs> fake, I'm a fake nerd. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, this epistle may not actually be by Paul, mm. but like from what I could tell, people just really aren't sure. It seems like there's like good evidence on both sides. All I got is the text to go on, and honestly, it could be 50-50 in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I agree. From from my my amateur uh, opinion, just mm-hmm. having read a bunch of other Pauline epistles, mm-hmm. I could also, I think it could go We'll talk way. more about it. What yeah. else you got on that FF list? Well, for this episode, unexpectedly, I had no idea this was coming, but for this episode, it would be- Are you going to fire me again? <laughs> I can't go through this again. <laughs> I have a life and kids again. For this episode, it would be handy to know about Gnosticism. Oh. So I'm going to give you a little Gnostic primer in case you haven't heard our last few episodes, which were about uh, Gnostic texts, the Gospel of Thomas and the Acts of Thomas. So basically in the years after Jesus' death, a bunch of different branches of Christianity started. Eventually, one of those went out and became, you know, like the early Catholic Church. Mm. We call that one Proto-Orthodox. Proto-Orthodox. Because it eventually became Orthodox. Um, But one of these other branches, another really popular one that was always fighting with the Proto-Orthodox branch was Gnosticism. um, Spelled with a G-N, silent G like in Nat Mm -hmm. or Gnarly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. They had what could be described as... Opinions. <laughs> opinions. They had a very weird belief system. They thought that there was, there is a perfect, omnipotent, all-knowing God. But that God is not the one from the Old Testament. Rather, that God created all these like emanations or eons they're called kind of roughly comparable to angels one of these angel type beings foolishly created a horrible miscreant god named Yaltaboth that was so fucked up she kicked it out of heaven without telling anyone just sweep that one under the rug I mean who among us hasn't attempted to create a child through parthenogenesis and then uh Disposed of the result. <laughs> but that God... You're looking for sympathy in the room and you're not getting much. <laughs> oh, like you've never done that. You just took care of all your monstrosities and fucked up creations. Look, I'm working hard every day to put my monstrosities through college. Okay? <laughs> I didn't abandon them like some sort of piece of shit fake dad. Okay, over there. This was a fake mom. Mm-hmm. Sophia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so yelled about this fucked up mistake God... That's the one from the Old Testament. He's the one who created the earth. Yeltaboth thinks he's the one true God, but that's just because he's dumb. And that's why the world is so terrible and full of sin and suffering. It's because it was created by this inferior reject God. Jesus was sent from the real God to tell us the truth. And if we learn that secret truth, that secret knowledge or Mm -hmm. gnosis, uh, then we can rejoin the real God in the real heaven which is called the pleroma, which is the Greek word for 
fullness because everything up there is perfect and not broken like it is down here. Well, the Jews get to go to like fake heaven because they follow a fake God. Is that right? Um, I'm not an expert, but I think that they just die. <laughs> oh, I see. His promises mean nothing because he's a he's like not a real God. He just thinks he is. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, we don't have to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as as I gave a disclaimer in previous episodes, there you were... were an expert on Gnosticism. <laughs> There are a lot there were a lot of different types of Gnosticism over the years. Mm. And so and obviously I don't know that much about them. I've just, you know, read a little bit. So who knows? Different Gnostics probably had different ideas of what happened. Shall we start on Colossians? Yeah, absolutely. So Colossians is structured like a standard Pauline epistle. Yes. Starts, starts with a what's up? How are you? Hope everybody is well. And starts with this is a letter from Paul and mm-hmm. Timothy. Mm-hmm. If Paul did write this, mm-hmm. it's likely that Timothy had a co-author credit. I know he's he's mentioned in some epistles, and it sometimes it seems like he was part of writing them. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's like if a letter recipient was uh, doing very well, they would be lucky to get a visit from Timothy. Like, we'll send you Timothy, and Timothy will carry the word Mm. with him um in this case this one is written much more coherently and uh more concisely than than most of the pauline epistles so you got to say whoever the scribe was if it's timothy or if it's some rent a scribe down on the square you know the types that i'm talking about no then they uh, but this was a good ass rent a scribe if it was one if it was one also this book uses about 50 words that Paul never uses in any other epistle. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If the message and the structure is very familiar. Yeah. Which it is. Yes. Um, the style of it is uh, is a little more refined, a little more, um, I don't know, metropolitan, mm. a little more, a little more worldly than <laughs> than you might expect of of a uh, of a of a Pauline joint. Could be. Could very well be. Okay, but what's what's the point of this letter? Well, the point is that he wants to warn them away from some false teachings. Right, which is what most of the letters are about. Yes. So this one starts out by talking about something that I think of as extremely standard Christianity. I grew up being taught this, um, and I didn't really think twice about it. Um, And that is that Jesus was not only present before creation— but also, quote, by him, all things were created. Mm. Um, and I always thought of this as another way of saying Jesus isn't just the son of God. He also is God. And right. this is part of the Trinity. Right. He had to be present before creation because he is God. But here is something that I never noticed before that's in Colossians one nineteen. Says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Mm. Word for fullness in the original Greek is pleroma oh aka the word gnostics use for heaven for the secret heaven for the secret heaven Mm -hmm. the super heaven so maybe part of the point of this passage is not just that like god and jesus are also the same but also to kind of refute the gnostic creation story and be like no the earth wasn't created by 
a spiritual dumpster. It was created by and through Jesus. That's the real Pleroma. Got it. I also noticed in also in chapter one. Yes. That Paul or whoever wrote this letter uh, incorporated a little bit of that Gnostic mysticism to try to like steal their fire a little bit. Yes. For example, in 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Yes. Not just that, but the sentence before that, verse Mm. 25, is I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave to me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Oh, the mystery. So, like, this is very unusual for New Testament stuff. Yes. Because Paul has usually been selling stuff not on, like, a mystical, like, mysterious tip. But saying, you know, there are very clear rules. Yeah. And you got to follow <laughs> And they're them. totally obvious, even though I just made them up and they make no sense. Yes. It's very simple. I have a twisted theological reasoning for all of this and it follows naturally. In this one, he's like, you got to get down with God and like the sweet mysteries that yeah. Jesus brought to us. And, and it's like, well, Paul, that sounds a little Gnostic. It sounds me. like he's saying, you know, like, I got your secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. I got it right here. Mm-hmm. And it's not Yaltaboth. Yeah. He's you rapping know? with the kids right now. Yeah. You know? The kids are out there on the street and they got their own lingo. And Paul's like, hey, I've I'm hip with the kids. See, I am keeping it 200 right now. I'm dope AF. <laughs> I'm straight fire. Mm-hmm. The problem with this is that if Paul wrote it, it has to be, you know, like before the year 100, because mm. that's when he was alive. And like Gnosticism. Unless. <laughs> As far as we know, Gnosticism didn't really exist yet. So, But I have to feel like some of the concepts, and I don't know. I have no scholarly background in this at all. (laughs) I know. Well, so let's keep going. Chapter two. He keeps using these Gnostic keywords Mm. and like phrases throughout. So Presumably for SEO purposes. (laughs) Probably. So like, two, two. My purpose is that they may be united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm, that's all, though, that is a bunch of uh, Gnostic dog whistles. Yeah, and knowledge, I mean, the word for knowledge in Greek is gnosis, like he's mm-hmm. using the word gnosis there. Um, in 2, 8 to 9, he warns the Colossians not to get deceived by false heretical teachings because, quote, in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Then he does go off on a small circumcision tangent, mm-hmm. but is really writing the line here, like because it's just a small tangent, but it is a circumcision tangent. So oh, I'm like, is this Paul? It could be, but I don't know. See, this seems to me so. And here's what he says. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, this, to my mind, reminds me of some previous epistles where he was trying to defend uh, the new church against people who were saying you have to follow the Old Testament. Yeah. I can't remember what the name of that particular heresy was, but the problem that he had was that these churches that he had started had gotten like infiltrated by people who said, hey, 
I'm not sure if you heard this, but Christ was a Jew and he's and got all we these gotta be uh, like, like Jewish. Ex- he's got all these extra books yeah. that you gotta read too. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, What? Extra books? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> anyway, him so this is him trying to uh get around the earlier commandments, the earlier covenants by creating a spiritual circumcision. Yes, which he's definitely done before. Mm-hmm. And he goes on in this chapter to say the same thing we've seen in other Pauline epistles, which is like, doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. doesn't matter if you follow dietary laws or not. doesn't matter what holidays you celebrate. All that matters is believing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because he denounces asceticism, right? So we saw that asceticism was a big deal in Gnostic texts. Mm. Um, like in the Acts of Thomas, we saw like Thomas didn't even have to eat food. Barely. Um, And obviously it was extremely anti-sex. Right. (laughs) You're not supposed to have sex ever. It was pretty much anti-life. Yeah, it was anti-life. Yeah. Um, And asceticism has been a big deal in lots of different Christian traditions over the years. Like, that's not at all unique to Gnosticism. But so the rationale for it is usually we're living in this mortal world, but... We're focusing on heaven. And so this mortal world, you know, we can punish our bodies, whatever. Our focus is dying, going to heaven. Mm -hmm. That takes different forms, you know, has different nuances in different traditions. But it's it's pretty widespread over the years. What's weird to me is that here Paul says, like, yeah, we're we're living for heaven. We're not living for this world. But that's why you shouldn't be ascetic. That's why you shouldn't focus on your dietary laws, your sex laws, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like those are ways of feeling holy, but they have nothing to do with actually believing in Jesus. It's weird. It's it seems paradoxical to me because he also I mean, he's clearly not saying like, enjoy your life and live like a normal life Mm. because he he goes on to say like, um, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, etc. But he also says religious rules. I, I like the way they're phrased here. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Those are just made up human laws that aren't really about God. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just about feeling holy rather than actually being holy. Yeah, but it's an impossible commandment to give. I agree. To say. It seems paradoxical. You know, you shouldn't be judged by what holy days you believe in or whether you're circumcised or not. But you should also be judged by these other relatively arbitrary things. Yeah, that are all like the same. Part of human life. Well, and like those Jewish laws exist for the purpose of minimizing the occurrence of like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, Mm -hmm. greed, etc. You Mm -hmm. know, but then he's saying like, don't follow that stuff because that stuff's all man-made. But like follow it. (laughs) <laughs> you know right yeah yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that's a good point is that rules about you know marriage and diet and stuff are designed to avoid those those very things but he doesn't give any specific commandments about how to <laughs> avoid impurity let's say yeah um he just says know that you don't have to necessarily follow every rule that you've ever heard yeah which is like not helpful which could be evidence in the not Paul column like someone's like I know Paul's against this stuff I know he's against Jewish laws 
I also know he's against impurity. But has it ever stopped Paul before in the confirmed Paul stuff? Absolutely not. <laughs> so that's what I don't know. Yeah. Um, he says to do, you know, all the good stuff instead. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. He says the most important thing is love. That's very Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this passage here. Wives, obey your husbands. Children. Oh, you mean instructions for Christian households? <laughs> I do mean that those very instructions. Mm-hmm. Wives obey your husbands, children obey your parents, slaves obey your masters. And we saw this in the book of Ephesians, but Ephesians is not actually written by Paul. So question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, so I want to point out two things about this okay. passage. First of all, there was a, another line that you didn't read there. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Yeah. I mean, it says it says like. Husbands need to treat their wives well, parents, their children, and masters, their slaves. <laughs> right. Yeah, as if they're all the same thing. Right. <laughs> um, I just think the idea of children becoming discouraged. Oh, That's sad. It's just sad. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. So don't embitter them, if possible. He's not like, they're all demons anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so at least there's that. It's a step up from the Acts of Thomas. But the passage on slaves specifically deserves special mention, in my opinion. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Now that is a passage that is positioning Christianity as the religion of slaves and the religion of the uh, of the underclass. Yeah, it is and it isn't at the same time. I think that's a paradox that is unintentionally at the heart of Christianity. <laughs> but I think we're getting a little bit out of our depth here. I agree. Let's finish the book and then we'll get back to this. Okay, well, the book finishes like many classic Pauline epistles do. Yes. With a list of shout outs. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, they, yeah. So basically Paul's like, I'm going to send my buddies over to teach you the truth. Um, his buddies always have some amazing names. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, we have Tychicus, Aristarchus, and Jesus, who is called Justus, mm-hmm. because otherwise it would get confusing. Agreed. He also includes the note, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Just a little note to Archippus that, remember, the form's done. if you slack, you'll be in the Bible. Would you like to hear the top three footnotes from my NIV study I would love Bible? to hear the top three footnotes. All right, we're going to count them down. Number okay. three. Mm-hmm. Here's, the, here's the quote from the Pauline, from the actual Bible book. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize, the mm. prize being heaven. And uh, there's a footnote on the word disqualify that says, this term pictures an umpire or referee who excludes from competition any athlete who fails to follow the rules. What a fucking waste of everybody's time that was. That's like from the boys Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, Paul's talking about spreading the gospel. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Yummy. Footnote says, salt is a preservative and is tasty. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bible. It's tasty. I didn't know. Salt is tasty. I didn't know it was so tasty. And here's number one quote from the NIV Study Bible Footnotes. When Paul says slaves should obey their masters and masters should be kind to their slaves, the footnote says, Paul neither condones slavery nor sanctions revolt against masters. Rather, he calls on both slaves and masters to show Christian principles in their relationship and thus to attempt to change the institution from within. Well, I mean, he does the first thing, but he doesn't do the second. Change the institution of slavery from within. We can keep the institution of slavery. But let's make it... We um, just need to reform it. We just need a more Christian Way slavery. of owning humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can, that's what Paul did. I mean, strange... I'm writing this in probably fucking 1995. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we can do it. We can reform the institution of slavery. Paul says so. <laughs> Strangely, I mean, Christianity, like based on this text at least was designed at least partially to operate within that spectrum. Yeah, I guess so. He's like, hey, this is a religion for everybody, slaves and masters. That's fucked up. Slaves and masters can't have the same religion. I kind of agree. I don't know what it is about it, but it doesn't seem like anyone... It just doesn't seem right. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it could fit both scenarios. So, do you think that this is Paul? I think it's a really good interpolation of Paul's ideas um, designed to be sold to a different audience. This is designed for a different demo than most of the epistles are. This is a demo that seems to be into Gnosticism. Agreed. But In the same way that he wrote letters to people that were experimenting with Old Testament shit. <laughs> yeah. He's writing a letter here to somebody that's, or to a group that's experimenting with Gnosticism, although he may not have written it. It may just been like, this is how Paul does it, is he refutes their arguments yeah. bit by bit. Like, you could totally see the proto-Orthodox church, some, some you know, prominent church father somewhere mm-hmm. being like, okay, we got to shut Gnosticism down, because that was extremely important to early proto-Orthodox church fathers. Mm-hmm. They wrote tons of shit about Gnosticism and other heresies. And you could see them being like, okay, well, who are, how are we going to you know, definitively say that Gnosticism is bad. We got to have Paul do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you could see that happening. Agreed. But at the same time, this does sound like Paul. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how important it is. (sighs) Yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) If I don't believe in God, and you don't believe in Jesus, and I think Paul's an asshole, why do I care if it's Paul or not? You're asking me? I don't don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. I mean, it's it's of minor historical interest, but again, we're not academics, and we're this is not our this is not our field. We're just idiots who bloviate weekly <laughs> for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. Speaking of entertainment, I think you might find this next segment extremely entertaining uh, because we're about to take a break, and then we'll come back with something truly remarkable. <laughs> yep, it's. A horoscope for one of our good friends and fellows. A a good boy. Uh, A certain man you may recognize from his outsized impact on Western civilization. Anyway, you'll never guess who it is, but we got a 
professional horoscope for him coming up. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of music, and then we'll be right back with more Sunday School Dropouts. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we were talking about the book of Colossians. And we will come back to it, but we're going to take a little detour right now. Because we have on the phone with us my dear friend, Luke Danny Blue. She is an amazing writer. She's working on a fucking kick-ass novel right now. And she's also an astrologer at Seagoat Astrology. And so we decided to give her a call and... uh see what Jesus's horoscope says. Yeah, we can read the man's words. We can read about his actions. We, we can gotta... see his outsized influence in the society <laughs> at large. We got to get the truth from the stars. Mm -hmm. Luke, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so we should start off by saying that uh, for Jesus's birth date, we are using <laughs> December 25th in the year zero. Mm -hmm. And we decided it's, you know, it's sometime after dark, but it can't be that late because the nearby shepherds have to get there. So we said it's about 9 p.m. <laughs> um, this is obviously not Jesus's actual birth date, but we're going to pretend that it is. Mm -hmm. And we're going <laughs> to learn about his uh, chart. Yeah. So okay. what do you got for us, Luke? Well, we actually do have a slight problem, which is that my program oh, is only going to let me do 1 BC. Oh. Or I could possibly <laughs> One AD. do. Let me see what well, happens if I put it in with BC. There's no zero, right? Because, I mean. Yeah, there's no there's zero. No, there's no year zero. Oh, right. okay. It's one. Exactly. He's born in yeah, one. So do, I, do we want 1 AD or 1 BC? Well, 1 BC is slightly more historically accurate, probably. <laughs> okay, so let's do that. Yeah, I mean, it's all bullshit anyway, but let's like, you know, pretend that we care. Yes. Um, I mean, it's Jesus. Come on. Give the guy some it's credit. It's high stakes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never met him personally, but. Well, you know, but now you're going to feel like you have. Okay. You've never met him personally? You haven't accepted him in your heart? <laughs> he's never asked. <laughs> Baby, he asks every day. Mm. But he's like a vampire, right? He's like a Dracula. Where you have to let him in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to say the more. You have to. Say the <laughs> but I guess. But you know, in this case, well, I guess the cross did kind of kill him, so that that fits too. Nice. <laughs> uh, maybe the we drink his here. blood instead of the other way around. He's a reverse vampire. Reverse vampire. Um, okay. Uh, so you guys want to hear about Jesus? We'd love to. Okay. So just to we do. Just to confirm here, um, I'm using the birth date. Uh, December 25th of uh, 1 BC at 
12 p.m. in Bethlehem, and I'm just using 12 p.m. as a birth time because that makes things approximately correct for this completely made-up um, astrology chart that we're looking at. Um, Sounds great. <clears throat> arguably, arguably, this might be a good, we'll find out if this is a good picture of what of the story that we tell about Jesus, because sometimes that's how astrology works. It's like if you do a, a chart for something fictional, it becomes like, it's almost like it, it describes the story itself. So we'll see. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, Jesus, by um, by this totally whack birthday, is a Capricorn, which I'm going to tell you, I have some serious reservations about we'll get to that in a second so your son represents your sense of purpose motivation and identity so this would basically mean um that jesus uh jesus's identity was all wrapped up in basically his duties to the collective his duties and obligations to the collective um generally speaking capricorns are people who take their work really seriously um importantly capricorns like to get paid for their work although we do have mm. examples of like you know the, like famous uh the most famous capricorn activist examples martin luther king jr um mm. but i feel like did he get paid for i see i feel like he got paid for it because he was like you know like he was like a a preacher you know so well, it was kind he, of his job he made a living i think but he's he didn't get rich well no obviously know. he didn't get rich but capricorns don't really care about getting rich we just want to get our, our bills paid i should say i'm a capricorn um <laughs> okay and okay. uh capricorns are um generally super emotionally sensitive um tend to be a pretty empathetic sign but are huge emotional repressors um so like you know basically feel like it would be I would not be doing my duty to society if I were to get all emo right now um so like would you say that if someone were to say you shouldn't even feel anger that's as bad as murder or you shouldn't even <laughs> feel lust that's as bad as adultery would that be uh typical of a Capricorn I don't know because I feel like a Capricorn would be more like it doesn't matter if you feel anger it doesn't matter if you feel lust Capricorns are kind of like are aren't are more like we just don't concern ourselves with emotions they're not important so maybe maybe um but we can look at yeah i'm kind of like i'm 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 looking here to see where jesus's neptune is uh because that'll that'll sort of talk about like self-denying tendencies yeah i'm not really seeing that in this chart there is a square from neptune or from venus to neptune and there's a square from uranus to neptune but neither of those would necessarily give that kind of like like don't feel anger don't feel lust or whatever um well neptune the roman god of the sea and of course there would naturally be some conflict between the risen christ and you know one of the (laughs) and a pagan idol Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i would say i would expect to see a way stronger neptune in the chart of jesus because neptune is all about Hmm. for the principle of self-sacrifice um it's also the planet that rules Mm. spirituality um and it creates this kind of tortured state of like i you know depending on where it is in the chart but like in some some small way for everyone it's like that sort of seed of of like how can i bear to both be in a body and also like be able to feel connected to something bigger than myself so it's an important question for jesus yeah yeah i mean neptune is a very christian planet so um Hmm. it's, it's important in the story of christianity um, so yeah, I would expect to, I mean, it's, he's got a reasonably strong Venus, but it's just not crazy strong. 
Um, I would expect to see an aspect between Sun and Neptune, um, which would give a more sort of like a bigger identity crisis around like, how can I take up space as a person and also like give of myself to something larger? Anyway, I'll, I'll t- tell you guys about his moon sign. You want to know about his moon sign? Yeah. Yes. So what is okay. what is a moon sign? First so of the all? moon sign. So the sun is like you can think of it like your daylight self. It's your core sense of identity. Um, it's what gives you a sense of purpose and motivation. It's the part of yourself that you want to be seen for. And so anyone in our day-to-day life is going to know us from our sun sign. Um, our moon sign is much more private. So only those people closest to us, maybe your Mary Magdalene is going to know you by your moon sign. Mm. Um, also like parents, like your own, um, mother and any children you play kind of a maternal role with, um, likewise, any other adults who played a maternal role with you, um, and our moon describes how we process emotions. So this would this would give us some more information about like whether he was like super like don't have bad feelings. Um, his moon was in Taurus with this birth time, um, which basically would make him someone who has very deep, strong emotions, but uh, tends to get kind of like blocked up, like sort of emotionally constipated. Um, I ha- I have a Taurus moon, don't I? I yeah, I have you do a have a Taurus moon. moon. Yeah, I mean, right <laughs> so. now, Lauren, you and I have a lot in common with Jesus. Um, so Taurus <laughs> moon people are pretty uncomfortable with change. Um, sometimes Taurus moon people are kind of self-denying around sensory pleasures, but even so, they're usually kind of like closet closet eaters or like closet self-indulgers. Um, you know, Jesus does get criticism from the Pharisees for uh drinking wine all the time mm-hmm. does and he, he is a, yes. he, he commits well commits is a strong word i would say he he creates several party miracles such that, as uh making water into wine mm-hmm. such as uh multiplying food mm-hmm. but it's not for him it's for but, his friends yeah see that's the thing is Taurus is like a self-interested sign i don't i just don't mm. see him you know i mean maybe like he would multiply food for himself and his lover or for his family <laughs> um also moon and taurus people are really connected to their families of origin whether or not they love those like whether or not they love to be connected to those families they're very very tied up with their family of origin um and usually not for all taurus moon people but usually the the family of origin is the people they're closest to but even if not they tend to get like sucked into like family drama because they have a really strong kind of root system jesus's father is god Mm -hmm. so that's the ultimate (laughs) family connection yeah i mean i guess that's true uh other thing about moon and taurus people they have really strong core values and their emotions really affect like their emotions affect their values and their values really affect their emotions so that would fit i think right yeah yeah that's those are both check marks Like, basically, when you get the combination, so both Capricorn and Taurus are Earth signs, and when you get that combination, you're going to get someone who is not uh, especially emotionally expressive. And, and, you know, I'm going to shorthand it because you guys don't want to hear all this stuff, but the rest of the chart, there's no real emotion happening here. Hmm. Um, Mm. There's there's definitely some passion, for sure. Um, The passion of the Christ? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's conviction. Uh, I mean, Capricorn is when he was convicted for treason against the Roman Empire. Yeah. Yeah. And there's intensity. There's like super intense desire, um, real intent, powerful needs for control, um, a basic sense of self-acceptance that makes some of the harder parts of his life a little bit easier. Um, So, you know, maybe when he's up there on the cross, he's just kind of like, you know, Jesus, it's been a good run. Um, (laughs) 
Doesn't I mean, he say LOI, LOI, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> he does say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But before that, he does pray, you know, uh, if we could not do this, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But if we got to, then we got to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it would basically be sort of like, maybe he wouldn't be okay with the situation, but he'd be okay with himself in the situation. Like, he's not going to be blaming hmm. himself at the end of the day. Um. That's true. He does not do that. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly like there's certainly like a lot of faith in this chart, um, and a real need to act around faith because we've got a strong uh, Mars Jupiter opposition. Um, Mars is the principle of action. Jupiter is the prin- principle of faith. Um, he's a truth teller, but he doesn't mince words. Uh, that's that's very Jesus. <laughs> very strongly identified with his words. Um. Kind of like a, perhaps a little bit of an impulsive talker. Um, and also, like, he probably has kind of a fat head, but in a sort of savior way. I mean, that part fits for sure, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His head was fat. <laughs> Could barely fit the crown of thorns on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and his Mars is an Aries, which is like fast, decisive action, often coming to the defense of an underdog. Um, but also kind of selfish action, like, or self-centered action, like acting based on what he thinks is right when he thinks it's right. Sure. And, when um, he stopped, yeah. the, when he stopped the stoning and asked, you know, who among you could cast the first stone or something along those lines. But <laughs> <laughs> he is with, who is without sin cast the there first stone. There we go. Um, certainly he did it to protect someone, but it was also a very convenient way to drop a, a stealth sermon on some people yeah. in the street. And uh, establish his moral authority over the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is for sure the chart of an extremely calculating person who controls his image, like with like iron, like an iron fisted control of his image, hmm. um, because he's got a super strong Pluto in here. Um, what do you think Jesus's actual sign would be? Yeah, tell you guys tell me about Jesus because I I have like the like kind of secular Jews like I have like flipped through the channels during the Seven Hundred Club and once I went to like oh god a, like <laughs> mega church as a for, as research uh, that's my background with Christianity that's all I know about Jesus. Um. Okay. So he's definitely. Um. He says he's the Messiah. He says he's the Son of God. Yes. So he's not really humble. No. <laughs> um, he does like wash the disciples' feet. And so that's sort of a humbling gesture. But overall, definitely not humble. Uh, he is extremely driven, I would say. Based on the, the text that we have, every moment of his life is dedicated to achieving his goals. Okay. Um, which is creating this ministry before the time comes that he has to die for everybody's sins. Yeah, and he um he says over and over that like the end of the world is is near. So he's very apocalyptic. Um but his main he says the two most important things are loving God and loving your neighbors. And uh his main thing is like um radical forgiveness. And giving all your money to the poor. Those are like his his highest values. I would say he's okay. an extremely charismatic person, even to the point of cultivating a cult of personality yes. around himself. Like he has like a close inner circle of people that trust him absolutely. Um, but he's also 
he's obviously um, very loving, but he's also really sarcastic mm-hmm. and gets fed up with the disciples being dumb a lot. Is he like, like is is he loving like up close and personal, or is he loving like like is he loving like I love you, Lauren, or is he loving like I love all seven hundred people who are crowded in this clearing with me? It's more like the second, but he does display it in like one-on-one interactions, like healing somebody's sickness. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but, but with the people that are closest to him, the the, the apostles, disciples, disciples yeah. um, he is generally not that giving. He's okay. He's constantly trying to teach them and is upset with them when they don't learn with as them. fast as he expects. Yeah. God, I you guys sound like you're talking about a Sagittarius, honestly. Nico's a Sagittarius. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm willing to give him to you, Nico. <laughs> because it's all starting okay, to make cause, sense. Because here's here's like Sagittarius Sagittarius is the sign of the teacher and the preacher. Um, it's ruled by Jupiter, which in classical astrology, which was the astrology of Jesus's day, was the that was the like primary spiritual planet was Jupiter. Um, oh, nice. That's that's that would be the astrology that Jesus and all Jews said was idolatry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That would be yeah that they like kind of tossed down or whatever. Although there is like Jewish like old Jewish astrology. I don't know exactly when it dates from, but. Um, so yeah, I mean Sagittarius Sagittarians are like they are pretty like I don't know. It's funny they're kind of like they're a sign that has the capacity to be very joyful, but they're so intensely meaning driven, um, and they are so like connected to their like love of humanity that they often like have ex- like kind of crises crises of faith, I guess where they then feel like super depressed and angry um, because people don't live up to what they expect of them. Mm. Um, Sagittarius is a fire sign and fire, fire signs are inherently egotistical, I guess. Um, Well, a clever man named Frankenstein once said fire bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, fire is really creative. Fire gets shit done or at least gets gets stuff started. It does kind of burn out, although I will say Sagittarius is Sagittarians. uh, You know, I think Sagittarius is one of the most the signs most like able to commit to like activist projects. Um, because if they're connected to something that gives them a sense of meaning, they'll pretty much do anything for it. They, uh, it's the sign that's classically associated with like kind of going up to the mountain and getting the truth. So kind of like it's Moses-y in that sense, like go up and get the tablets or whatever. Um, Jesus set- goes up on the mountain and sees Moses's ghost, by the way. It's true. Yeah, that's a very Sagittarian thing to do. I mean, I'm going to say if he wasn't a Sagittarius <laughs> sun sign, he probably had a really strong Jupiter or Sagittarius very strong on his chart. But, you know, you still get a December birthday out of him if you want, um, if mm-hmm. he's a Sagittarius. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because, um, like, up until, like, I don't know, like, December 22nd, we're in Sagittarius. So. Yeah. I mean... Even though we know that the birthday is like absolutely made up, maybe there's some truth in it. Um, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, awesome. Well, I think we did a lot of great work there. <laughs> yeah, we discovered that Jesus's true birthday is mm-hmm. actually December twenty second. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like December twenty second. Proof like... positive. <laughs> All right, so Luke, um, where can people find you and your work, and if they want to get an astrology reading from you where uh, can they go for that well 
they can go to seagoatastrology.com and it's seagoat like the ocean s-e-a goat astrology and uh, i also have a facebook page that has a lot of like fun astrology stuff on it all the time you can amaze your friends and also uh relevant yeah there's lots of posts that are like what if why? I hate my friends? No, it's like why you shouldn't date an Aries <laughs> or exactly. whatever. And exactly. they're all they're amazing. Most... <laughs> and the Libra ones are very mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> they're mostly like, I feel like I specialize in revenge on your exes. Like that's like my niche. <laughs> um, but not actually in my like, if you get a reading from me. But I will say this is a good uh a good moment to plug the fact that I'm gonna be doing um actually some readings that I don't make any money off of but where the proceeds are going to go to help uh, either like organizations specifically focused on people of color, helping people of color in Houston or on like helping trans people in Houston um, recover from the flood. Um, And they're going to be like activism focused reading. So like kind of like figuring out like what you can do, even if you don't think of yourself as an activist and how you can avoid burnout and stuff like that. Um, and they're like $15. So I haven't started them yet, but they're going to be up on my site um, the first week of September. All right. Thanks so much for talking to us. And uh, I will see you on the internet. Awesome. Thanks, Luke. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. That means there's only one thing left to do. And that's to rate this book. How would you rate this book, the book of the big boys, the Colossians? The Colossi. Mm Mm-hmm. The book itself, I'm going to give like two out of six Jesuses called justices. <laughs> okay. Because, I don't know, there's there's some interesting parts, but they're all interesting in a meta way. Mm. They're all interesting in that like, first of all, it really seems like they're talking about Gnosticism here. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that that was... Like, we just may have that G juice on the brain. I know, but then that's the other thing, right? Is that I'm like, maybe I'm just like fucking Gnostic paranoid now. <laughs> like, maybe I'm just like, everything is a secret message. <laughs> but I mean, it's using all these keywords and it talks about, oh, like these people who worship angels. That certainly seems to be like talking about all the weird eons and stuff and emanations. And so I think it's interesting that... Or it could be talking about, like, you know, Kabbalah... Jewish angels. Jewish it could. mysticism and stuff. It could. And, yeah. I mean, the dietary laws seem to be more Jewish than Gnostic. We don't know about any Gnostic dietary laws, but who fucking knows? We don't know that much about Gnosticism. We hardly knew anything until... That was their big mistake. By emphasizing... The secret part. The secret part. <laughs> you're, like, hamstringing your own movement. Yeah. So... I don't know. That's that's interesting. It's an interesting glimpse into history that way. I can't really tell if it's Paul or not. And uh, it kind of sucks that like <laughs> wives and slaves should be submissive. You know? Totally agreed. Six out of 30 discouraged children. Wow. For me. Oh, they're so sad. And there's so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up, please. <laughs> But mainly, mainly because the text as it is, like like you said, besides the meta part of it, where we're like Gnostic or not, Paul or not, mm-hmm. like those are interesting questions, but they don't really have anything to do with the text or its impact, um, its impact uh, on its surface level is like, hey, 
God died for us. It's Christianity. <laughs> hey, guys, you know about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's good. Hi. I, I like it's it. Me, it's me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but the only part where it actually makes any statements is in the part where it says that basically wives obey husbands, mm-hmm. children obey fathers, mm-hmm. slaves obey masters, as if they were all sort of the same thing. And... You know, I can't get down with that. Can't get down with that. That's also, simply not a humanist viewpoint, <laughs> if you ask me. Also, the thing about like, you can't be ascetic, but also you have to be ascetic. It's yeah, like, it's very arbitrary and stupid. But we've seen that before in Paul. Yeah. I feel like it's the most unclear here, though, that we've ever seen it. That's because they're mixing up the language. If yeah. they kept the language to this, the sort of default Paul, you know, which is like, plain with a shade of old testament um uh authenticity sprinkled on top you know <laughs> a very thin sliver of that mm-hmm. one metaphor per book yeah <laughs> one moment of poetry per epistle right which he does allow himself and usually excels at to be honest in the longer in well i don't know excels at but in the longer, I'm clicking at you, baby. In the longer epistles, there are these moments that are like the most quoted parts of the Bible. Yeah, that's always true. in these long epistles buried somewhere, unrelated to the probably horrible things that he's saying elsewhere yeah, in the that's book. True. But you know, he okay. he he puts a, he drops a couple zingers in there. Yeah, like babies being tossed about on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Salty little babies. Oh, they're so Discouraged, salty. Salty little babies. <laughs> I'm so sad. But salt is tasty and it's a preservative. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Anyway, that will do it for the book portion of tonight's show, but we still have a bag portion. Bag. What type of bag <laughs> we working with this week, my dear? Well, we got an email from a listener named Peter. It was a very lovely email, including pictures of the crucifixion as depicted in the Cathedral of St. Asaf or Asaf in North Wales. A-S-A-P-H if you want to look it up. It's made from local material, he says, i.e. bones from dead sheep, wood from broken trees. Very unique and unlike any other crucifix I've ever seen. Nico, how would you describe the the pictures that he sent us? Uh, it's a... It, it's a ghoulish representation. It's a white walker. <laughs> Possible zombor. Situation just up on the wall of a church. <laughs> it's a it 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 looks it's horrifying like a decomposed or a mummified human, um, with giant sheep hips. It's very realistic, uh, at least from the distance that the photo is. I mean, realistic in terms of like if you live in fucking Tim Burton's nightmares, it's not <laughs> like <laughs> proportionally human. The Arms are very long. The head is very sunken. I agree, but but the overall effect of a decomposing mumzor or <laughs> mumsy situation <laughs> is then, effective. And then below that in the photo, there's just like these very normal like posters. They're like Saint Asaf Cathedral Choir. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, this is a normal church. Yeah, so what? We have a fucking possessed zombie on the wall that we worship whatever it's and a nice church my problem was Look, here's a nice boy in a in a in a red collar and he's singing my problem was somebody at some point in this church community encouraged 
whoever made this awful, awful thing. And they, instead of saying, when somebody tells you, I want to make a new crucifix for the church, I'm going to make it out of sheep bones and wood. From and broken trees. going to look like a total mumsar. And then instead of being like, don't do that. Nobody <laughs> wants to see a mumsar. No, they just said, that's, that's very nice, Joe. Please keep that in your house. Please don't bring that to us. Yeah. Instead, they put it on the church and just left it there forever, and I just guess. just put it next to the nice posters of little little boys and girls trying to sing. And now everybody has to claim to be proud of this awful mumsar that it's they have in their amazing. fucking church. It's a zombie. It's amazing. Everyone Google St. Asaf North Wales Jesus zombie. It actually reminds me of when I was in Czech Republic. I visited a very famous ossuary. It's a bone church. A bone yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was made by monks, if I'm not mistaken. And there were all kinds of altars and uh, worship materials and everything made from bones. Human bones. I don't like that. Um, and in fact, there was a very famous chandelier there as well. A chandelier. That supposedly incorporated every single bone in the human body. That's fucked and it's so fun. It was all ostensibly Christian. Uh, and I was just like, y'all are getting off on death in a weird way. In a weird way. And I don't know what this has to do with anything. I mean, it's like amazing to worship death in it in such a crazy way. But like, I'm not sure. But also don't. <laughs> but also kind of don't. But also I veto that. Mm-hmm. Our listener Matt wrote in about our episode on the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. He said, of course, you likely have heard of the most famous Eon, Eon Flux. Of course I have. Uh, but did you remember that at one point in the show, she literally shoots the Demiurge into space? No, I didn't remember that. Because that is the kind of show that you see very late at night. Uh, and you always half remember all the details. Because... I have no idea what this is. Oh, really? I mean, I know that. Charlie's Theron is <laughs> in a much maligned remake of the of the I didn't know the show. I didn't know it was a show. Oh yeah. It was a show and a comic. Um it was it It was an anime? Sort of. Was it an anime? It was not an anime. It was oh. an animated show. Oh. Um it was on very late at night on MTV at the moment when I consumed it. Uh-huh. And it was the kind of thing that you would see in sort of like a sleep deprived daze. And then I'm I consume literally everything in a sleep. <laughs> but it was at a time, you know, slightly before the Internet, before you could see strange like adult swim things online. OK. Or you might have had less experience with bizarre found video or. OK. And, and there was less, just like nobody knew who Charlize Theron was. Breakout Internet star Charlize <laughs> Theron. You're leaning hard on the Charlize Theron thing but she was not involved with this as far as i know there were no south africans involved in this production (laughs) great anyway it was a very strange animated show where the main character died every episode um what it was very very graphic and and, then shot both into space yeah great done matt also wrote the 2000s era film stigma features an atheist possessed by a priest who wants people to know about the Gospel of Thomas and some of the same lines you use in the episode are quoted in the film. Apparently the ghost didn't accept current consensus on its authenticity. Matt, I love you. I love you so much. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you know what this is, Nico? Nope. I also don't know what this is about. Charlize Theron in this one? Uh, Possibly. How many South Africans are involved in the 2000s era film Stigma? It could be literally dozens. We'll never know. (sighs) But that is the end of tonight's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. I'm sorry that that's such a downer at the end. Listen, Matt, I love you. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill, spelled with an A, not an I. If you have uh, letters to send us, suggestions or questions, or pets or animals otherwise that you want us to bless, you can do so or curse. by emailing us at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That is contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Do not go to sundayschooldropouts.com. It's a terrible place full of terrible people. If you want to find out more about the original music or follow whatever I'm doing, you can check me out at my website. It's website. NikoBakulich.com. N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-A. Dot com. We, as always, thank Elise Carlton for our beautiful logo. And I want to thank Lauren for being adorable tonight and doing her absolute best. I got glasses, but I don't need them. I'm confused about my glasses. Anyway, I also thank Nico for sound engineering, editing, and original music. You're welcome, my dear. We will see you next week on Sunday School Dropouts. I hope you have a wonderful time. We're proud of you every day that you get up and do what you got to do. You're doing fucking awesome. Bye.